I think as I've I've gotten older, trying to really uh, understand uh, what you know success really is in life, and I think about like the happiest people I know. One one guy is a fishing guide in South Carolina, like. Literally, like he is living his best life. He's out there. You go with him. You feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can think of like my football coach growing up, like he is doing what he's meant to do. And so that's what I think um, I'm trying, you know, as I think about my purpose, you know, there's a great quote by Zig Ziglar. He talks about if you can help enough people get what they want in life, Mm -hmm. you can have anything you want. Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. And I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. You want to know our Big Self formula? Here it is. Big ideas plus true self equals big self. What do we mean by that? Being a leader, being really good at anything, but especially in your professional life, means being in complete command of yourself. Start with you, yourself. That's where the self part of big self comes in. It all starts with self-awareness, your ability to handle stress, understand your blind spots, be less reactive. But we also want to go somewhere from there. What do you do with all that inner knowledge? We want you to play big in your life. And that means good boundaries, having confidence, purpose, and clear direction. We focus on helping you make breakthroughs with all that self-knowledge and purpose. I am an educational psychologist, a licensed therapist, angel investor, TEDx speaker, and leadership coach. And I am an author, publisher, a doctor of creativity and writing, and an Enneagram certified practitioner. And it is our mission to bring you the most relevant and transformational resources we can find. And we give you practical, specific takeaways on topics that everyone might be talking about. But few are diving into in quite the same way. Today we speak with entrepreneur and investor Ted Allen. Ted is a leader in Chattanooga who uses his entrepreneurial achievements to create opportunities for others. He's the co-founder and former CEO of a $500 million startup, Access America, which merged with UPS subsidiary Coyote Logistics. And that initial success allowed Ted and his fellow Access America founders to create Lamppost Group, a venture capital firm and tech-focused incubator located right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Lamppost is responsible for developing and incubating literally dozens of startups. From there, he co-founded Dynamo in 2016, another venture capital fund with a focus this time in logistics technology. And then in 2018, he and his wife, Kelly, helped to found the Chattanooga Preparatory School and All Boys Charter School. And Chattanooga Prep is designed to provide unique and impactful educational opportunities for the young men in the city's urban communities. And it opened to its inaugural class of sixth graders in August of 2018 and now has hundreds of young men. It's been a wild ride throughout the past two decades, and Ted has not only succeeded himself, but has an ability to bring others along with him. He also has done a lot of personal development and learned a lot, sometimes the hard way, about himself, others, and best practices when it comes to building companies and culture. And that is why we wanted to speak with him on the Big Self Podcast. 
Can we go ahead and start? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like one thing that I, I really wanted to tell you guys, uh, I definitely believe hardcore in the Enneagram. And on our college visit with my um, kids, we listened to it the whole car. And so, the whole, you know, I've got a 17, 15, and 11-year-old and my wife. And so we've got a three, a two, a one, a five. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. Two, three, yeah. one, and an eight. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that eight, I probably listened to that a few times. And I reached out <laughs> to one of the guests on there. She was amazing. And we couldn't really connect. I need to reach back out. But uh, letting our kids understand it and learn and how can they communicate better mm-hmm. as a family was like super powerful. It's, isn't it the richest thing to learn about? Like, there's people that see the world, even our own children, yeah, completely differently. So wild, yeah. Than, like none of us are the same. Yeah. How, how are and, y'all? And is your family is, like that? It, or no? is, it has transformed. <laughs> no, yeah, none of us are the same in our family. No. Well, yeah. Lennon's up for debate. We think she could be a four. So Chad's a four, and I'm a two. She, she's Remind either three or four. Uh, the uh, the romantic, the, the creative, the creative. individualist. That's, that's the yeah that the one. That's, okay, I have a four. That's I've got a four. Oh, yeah, I assumed you they're were. very yeah. they're emotionally attuned, very sensitive. Yeah. Um, they do I've, a lot of comparing with themselves mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. My I son mean, is that yeah. Mm-hmm. Fours I think have it tough in this culture. So it's almost like I'm rooting for for Lennon to be a three for her sake. <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, I mean it's given us language to talk about yes. like our relationship, and uh-huh. then like our kids like okay. Uh, like how it do really we has. parent to that child the way mm-hmm. that they are? And I grew up, I'm a heart type, so I'm a two. Yeah. And I grew up, my entire family is uh, body types. And then my mom, I think, is a head type. So they completely had no clue how to, what to do with all my See, emotions. I need, to, I need to jump into that a little bit more. Yeah. So, and it does, it does shape you completely, like the mm-hmm. families that it's were It's incredible. When I say, I'm, all that we've learned about the Enneagram over the past few years here, and I, I'm starting to go back in time and I'm like, if only I had had this superpower, mm-hmm. you know, all my life, just kind of knowing types and how to respond, how I am, yeah. you so know, we, coming across. Listen, me- the biggest hack of anybody, <laughs> for all of your listeners Find out what you and your spouse are, oh yeah. gosh, and then yes. Google three mar- Enneagram married to a two or whatever it is. Yeah, and when you understand when you're in a healthy space, reading about that nails it. Game changer. Like, it should be like a weekly reading. <laughs> that is Game funny. changer. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, that's great so to hear. You're a three. Uh-huh, so let's let's yeah. just let's just go there. Yeah, you're a three. How did you learn you were a three? Huh. And so, then yeah. how does that show up for you? So I would love to learn how you figured that out and then how that shows up for you and just work in life, yeah. in marriage, in relationships. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just talk I would a little say bit about uh, that. I'm a three wing two. Okay. So you could yep. tell me more what that means. Sure, we could see that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think being a three, I've... Um, can be competitive. Um, I definitely like to win. I like to do the be- uh, best at anything mm-hmm. I do. I like to set big visions for things. Yeah. Um, I like to rally the troops to go take on, take the hill. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's a lot who it is. And I try to like, also try to check my ego being like, okay, what is this about? Are you doing this about you? Mm. Or is this like the bigger purpose for this organization? I think that's probably constant work for a three, mm-hmm. right? Don't yeah. you think right. it's like, right. okay, always... Um, 
being, you know, authentic kind of mm-hmm. how, who am I and how do I want to show up when this and checking right. like motivations around that. That's so good. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> well, that, and, that would be hard. And, and the more I learn about it, the more, uh, and I do a lot of try to journey of healing and learning about my own self. And, mm-hmm. um, the more I, I'm trying to like look back my past and like, why am I doing the things I do? And mm-hmm. so, um, and, yeah. um, but I'm hardwired. I love like personal development stuff. I love podcasts. I love books. I love like Tim Ferriss hacking stuff. Like how can I do things better, <laughs> yeah. faster, quicker? So, and there's one of the subtypes of the three mm-hmm. is the one-to-one three is what it's called. Okay. Um, and they kind of look like a two sometimes. Hmm. Um, and, but they're the most um, supportive of all the three t- subtypes of the, th- or yeah, the three. So okay. they're the one-to-one threes are like the champions for other people. Yeah. Like they totally That's what try are to supportive be. Mm-hmm. and encouraging and helping other people succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see that. Not just themselves. And so mm-hmm. they look a little bit more helperish right. and like a little more altruistic, mm-hmm. I think than some of the other threes. And that's what I wonder. And, the, and the social three is more image kind. Conscious and a little bit more mm-hmm. adapting to what other people's image of success should be. Huh. I don't see that. I don't see Ted shifting that. He's he is he's Ted, right? As yeah. we, very yeah. consistent and and not the the self prez where he just puts his head down and. It ignores everybody else in yeah. the room before he comes up for air. So I really could see that. Another interesting thing about the three, right, is that you are in the center of the heart triad. Mm-hmm. That's your center of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the threes really, they really bury that. Mm-hmm. They they don't like to deal with the emotion, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. Don't you think you're emotionally intelligent? Oh, yeah. Like, can't you uh, read IQ a room? is negative. Yeah. Like, I'm a negative <laughs> IQ. My IQ is like, I know it's high. Uh, yeah. You can, like, read a room oh, yeah, and totally. feel oh, yeah. like, yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's the vibe mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Yes. That's totally. the superpower of the Yeah, three, you've always said that I about think. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, people, we've already talked about your journey a little bit mm-hmm. and your progression here. Yeah. You have started um, a wildly successful company, mm-hmm. sold it years ago, um, have been on a journey now of starting a wildly successful school. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I think you have a lot to offer about what success is and isn't. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious if you could share how you think about success, like your definition. Yeah, I've heard, well, the success is... Um, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Oh, I love that. Ooh, that's good right um, there. I, I didn't quote. I, I heard that on a, a book the, that I that, read. Say that again. The progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Realization of a worthy ideal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think um, as I started out, like in my twenties and stuff, uh, definitely. Like I, I look back, I have journals. Like in college, uh, I kind of got into like Tony Robbins at a. I remember I was working at a gas station. And I'd worked the night shift, and I had my dad's old CDs, or maybe it was, t- yeah, I think it was CDs or cassettes. CDs, I'm sure. And started Back listening then, yeah. that type stuff, you yeah. know? And so I started kind of like trying to manifest my future at that mm. point. And at mm. that time, you know, I have journals like, you know, I wrote like 100 things I want to do in my life. Like, wow. I still have that. At the gas station. At the gas station. That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. And um, I, actually, I, lo- I loved working the gas station. I loved, like, <laughs> meeting people. Uh, it was wild. We had back then, sell, uh, you had full service. And we also did, uh, we'd rented U-Hauls out. I've never, and I'd be the only one there. <laughs> and 
and, and, and <laughs> my dad was an investor in the uh, gas station, and he bought it right before paid the pumps. So, like, terrible buy. Because, like, oh, yeah. you know, now <laughs> everyone had to come in and pay in cash or credit card. Then I had to do full serve, and then I had U-Haul people. Like, looking back, I had to manage so much stuff. <laughs> that but is it was so weird. old I school. Took, I took a weird pride. I don't know where this came from. I wanted to have the cleanest bathrooms anywhere. In the, and, I mean, I had so many compliments where people were like, your bathrooms are so clean. I just get in there and, like, you know how you get mad? Like, when you're, like, cleaning something. <laughs> yes. Or, like, when you go, yes, to, the, angry cleaning. You go to those uh, the car washes where you're using the vacuums, and you're just yes. you're, you're in there. I yeah. love those things, by the way. <laughs> you just see all – everybody's there, just, like, at the car wash – Vacuum out your cars. Um, so I think like, I, that's uh, actually really true that yeah. you say that. I do that. I get a face. I get when like I do intense, it. intense vacuuming. Yeah. So anyway, I think uh, I started, uh, you know, at that point writing out goals. And I look back, it was, and it was more, you know, like, oh, I want a certain car and I want a big house and I want to make this in a salary and, you know, wife and kids and stuff like that. And so at that time, you know, that's what success was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was really lucky. I mean, I know I was the luckiest person alive, had the best parents, had a super supportive, unbelievable um, mm-hmm. growing up, a great, went to a great public school. My parents paid for college. It's like mm-hmm. the amount of like advantages I had, like as I get older, like, oh my gosh, I really hit the lottery just being yeah. born into my parents' yep. uh, life. So, um, And it does take a little bit of living, I think, for us to realize sure. that and oh, see yeah. it. Everybody wants to think, oh, I'm such a hard worker and like I did it by my bootstraps. Oh, right. And I'm like, uh, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think as I've, I've gotten older, um, trying to really uh, understand uh, what, you know, success really is in life. And I think about, like, the happiest people I know. One one guy is a fishing guide in South Carolina. Like, literally, like, he is living his best life. He's out there. You go with him. You feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of, like, my football coach growing up. Like, he mm-hmm. is doing what he's meant to do. And so that's what I think um, I'm trying, you know, as I think about my purpose you know, there's a great quote by Zig Ziglar. He talks about, if you can help enough people get what they want in life, mm-hmm. you can have anything you want. And so I think I've been trying um, in my life just trying to be like, okay, how can I help Shelly? How can I help Chad? And the more you start mm-hmm. focusing on other people trying to hit their goals, yeah. like it comes back a thousand X. And so that's kind of like how I've um, tried to live my life the last couple of years. Yeah. One of the things you taught me, I don't know if I've told you this. Um, I don't think I have. You years ago said, and I don't know if this, how, what the context was, but you said, treat people as if they're wearing a sign that says, um, show me that I'm special. Mm-hmm. Make me feel special. Make me feel mm-hmm. special. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. that has so, and I, uh, I love that. And I, so I do, I tell people that. And well, I, fours could really respond to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Make me feel special. Yeah. No, but, but I do, I think about like, how can I move through my life today, Mm -hmm. making someone feel special. Mm. And that, I don't know if that's a part of that definition for success, but that's always stuck with me. Yeah. I heard that from a guy named Art Williams. Um, you've seen, he's got, he's got the Birmingham. No, Oh, he is. Um, anyway, his, there's a YouTube, um, that's just unbelievable. But, um, I think you showed me that. Yeah, I probably yeah. have. But he, I, I met him, real successful guy. He owned like the Tampa Bay Lightning and all this stuff. And he owns this uh, place in um, Old Edwards Inn. It's up in North Carolina. And Kel and I were there just kind of a date night or uh, weekend away. 
And I just asked the, I asked this bartender, I said, hey, has Art ever come up here? And she grabbed her heart and she goes, you won't believe it. He's here right now. And he wrote me this note, literally. And she turns around and gets this note off the bar and reads this note. And he would just written her. And it was just like a sweet note about her service or whatever. Oh, wow. And I'm like, he's here? And she's like, yeah, he's here. And so then I, um, I, Kelly said, you should write him a note and see if he'll meet with you. And so anyway, I wrote a note. Didn't think much, but, you know, who knows? Get a call a couple hours later, said, Art wants to meet you. He's got 15 minutes in the Hummingbird Lodge. Never forget this. <laughs> we spoke for like two hours. It was like life-changing. I took wow. notes the entire time. And for some guy that I like follow on YouTube, and he's, he's in his probably 80s now. Uh, for me, it was like a neat business mentor to see like kind of what he's done with his life. But mm. he's the one that gave that quote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good what story. A story. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I didn't know you met with him. Yeah. So, well, do you want to ask? Uh, yeah, well, question? let's, uh, you know, I guess back up a little bit, but also <laughs> fa- fast forward. You know, when you, you started Access America, mm-hmm. what, and now in retrospect, what's something that you wish you know, you would have known then mm-hmm. when you were doing it that you know now? Mm. And I don't know how you might tie that into, like, what do you see new founders maybe getting wrong yeah. a lot and what would, you know, kind of, how would you maybe yeah. mentor them? Um, hmm. Yeah. It, you know, we were young, we were 23 when we started and it was just like full on, didn't matter, whatever, 80 hours a week, 300 phone calls a day. Like yeah. there was no, it was just so heads down, just beating your head against that brick wall over there. Like you just, it was hard to think about anything else other than like, let's make the month, like get the bills in to make the payroll. Well, whatever. not only were you young, yeah. but that was the culture and the mentality then mm-hmm. as well. Right? Oh yeah, you sure. Know? Totally. That, yeah. hundred percent. And so, um, thinking back, uh, in the early stage, you know, really like understanding our values and thinking through culture, it kind of came yeah, it came organically, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but really doing some more thoughtful work because I see I'm an I'm an investor in a lot of startups now, and I see some people that are putting in this work, like thinking through like mission statement and vision and like living that stuff out, and you know I think culture is just um, business culture any like organization culture is about kind of the founders ethos. And like mm-hmm. the values and things that they think are important kind of like go down mm-hmm. into the organization. And so um, mm. probably being more thoughtful about that. Um, I also think we could have done a better job. We were very like sales heavy. I think we could have done a better job of like focusing more on finance and operations and counting folks um, in our organization. Um, we did have a, a pretty good amount of folks have um, shares in the company. I think we could have done a much better job and been more thoughtful about like coming up with um, like equity shareholders as employees. Um, we we could have done a, a much better job. Do you find that. that founders are are doing that more now? Like having those hard equity conversations earlier on, mm-hmm. or are they just kind of? Mm-hmm. I think they are. They, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ones that we deal with at one of my funds is definitely thinking about that. Okay. And then you know, and we were, uh, yeah, there, and most of the ones I deal with now are more like tech focused and kind of have to do that. Yeah. Because like the tech people have so much power. Right. <laughs> like they're right. not going to leave. We're like, uh, you better you know show me some. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Right. And we need so, you. Right. To build right. This we're like, product. Uh, you gotta yeah. come. Yeah. So I think they're a little bit more thoughtful of okay. it than other ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about? Um, 
like building the culture, you know, where do you still, where do you see them founders get, maybe they're not thinking about some things or getting hung up. Um, yeah. And it does feel like, so, you know, as you know, of course, and I think many of our listeners know that we work together at Lamppost. And so at the time there was so much, um, like even just talking with a lot of the founders recently Mm -hmm. and they're like, we didn't get this stuff Mm -hmm. back then. Like Mm -hmm. we, uh, we weren't ready for it or, but I see that changing like with some of the brickyard companies, Mm -hmm. like they're really thinking about healthy co-founder communication. Mm -hmm. Like how do we deal with this stuff? (laughs) How do we like, take care of our people so that they can come in and do good work. Mm-hmm. It does feel like that's at least top of mind for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Would you, do you oh, see yeah, that? I, or? I think it's a different generation coming up, thinking through things and not thinking they have to work 80 hours a week and like thinking more strategically through that thing, through those scenarios. Um, there's a great book and it'll come in a second. It's um, talking about, Building your community and mm. really, um, golly, it'll come oh, I know, yeah, I might have sent it to yeah. you. But uh, this uh, this gentleman, a tech CEO in California, sent it. He's like, you got to read this guy. That he had him on his podcast. Uh, but it's all about community engagement and really. And I'm and I'm I read it and I learned a ton. I was like, God, I wish I could have had this mm-hmm. book. And so I've I've kind of recommended it to a lot of founders. Well, I think one thing that David, w- David Spinks is his name. <clears throat> okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. One thing I was just thinking is like, reg- I'm glad it does seem like there's a lot more consciousness and conscientiousness mm-hmm. about this, uh, these, these talking points, but in the end, isn't it still, I mean, startups, it's like, they just, they don't have the, they don't feel that they have the time. Yeah. Well, they and, don't and you feel a ton of pressure because a lot of people have invested in you and you, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to prove them right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, I think it's so easy to. You're bootstrapping. Um, just shut it down. Like it's not even, I can't, I, I just remember, you know, the time I was doing Torch, like there is this belief that there is no time. <laughs> right, like right. I have to crush constantly. Yeah. And, and so I think that there are seasons of that. Right. Absolutely. Yep. But living there for years, uh-uh. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I think some people, maybe they have a larger, th- longer threshold <laughs> than I did and right. can do it. Uh-huh. But it's just, um, I think that, that a lot of, I see people questioning the sustainability of that. And I think it's, yeah, well, you weren't taking care of yourself. You weren't exercising. Yeah, the weekend we want to talk we, about. We could go. We could go. <laughs> <laughs> we could go down that road. We've shared that too much. Story. Too yeah. much wine every night. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rough, a rough yeah. patch. Um, okay, so let's talk about chat prep. Okay. Um, I I know this school has your heart. Yeah. And you and yeah. Kelly have worked your tails off yeah. to get this thing going. Just share the story, the yeah. vision, yeah, how yeah. it started. So let everybody know, like, when did yeah. it start? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was some, you know, sort of like, how did it come about? Like, what mm-hmm. what drove you so guys I, to I it? I would, uh, we, after we sold Access, we took a year sabbatical, which if any of your listeners are able to do that, mm-hmm. like, you can do it. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, good books, Vagabonding and different mm-hmm. books where it's like, you can go out and leave, live way cheaper. Yep. Then you can probably where you currently are. Wow. And so um, you could move to Ecuador. You could move to, you know, 
Southeast Asia. There's a lot of places in the world you can go mm. make it. And especially now with work from home and, um, you know, similar virtual Absolutely. stuff, you can yeah. go do that. Yeah. So we, um, we moved to London, which you can't do it there. It's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> don't move there. Ironically <laughs> enough. Sorry. <laughs> you just said that. Uh, uh, don't, if you're, yeah, try to leave chip That's cheaply. not the do place. Do not go there. Uh, but we have, you know, I mentioned earlier, we have three kids. So we, we wanted to kind of, and my wife kind of grew up internationally. She lived all over the world. And so we kind of want to give our kids that experience. And so we moved to um, London and it was definitely, uh, you know, it was tough for me after being the CEO of a company and then selling and, you know, like now I'm out. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely had some moments there of just like, whoa, what's <laughs> going on? Uh, what am I doing I with have, my life? I have zero reports and my kids don't even listen to me. So now, you know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was... Um, really a neat experience for us to bond as a family and do some neat traveling over there. Um, Made some great connections with uh, the tech community in London, a guy named John Bradford, really, um, you know, changed, did, brought some really good focus to us. We kind of started a fund out of that kind of like focus on transportation logistics called Dynamo. But um, anyway, so we we came back to uh, America and just kind of a fresh set of eyes, look in our community want to make a really big impact. When we first moved to Chattanooga, Kelly worked for Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. So she kind of always um, was a manager there and kind of had a heart for um, the underserved. Um, and so then we'd been mentoring a kid, which you remember Darrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of stories about Darrell, um, even at Lamp Post. I remember he walked in. Darrell is a um, kid that went to a local high school here, um, just kind of got in his life randomly. And so I just started kind of hanging out with him and he would come to our office at Lamp Post. And one day when he was like 17, Darrell said, Mr. Allen, I didn't know I was allowed in biz- buildings downtown, Chattanooga. Mm. I didn't know I could, I didn't know I could come in, you know? Yeah. And then when he came in, he was around just so many positive, like people like, oh, excited. Hey. And he'd, you know, get to do little tasks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that, I don't know, that kind of like struck a chord with us. I'm just having him in our life. Mm-hmm. Then we looked at some data at some, um, well, back up. We first mm-hmm. um, went, we moved back, and our good friend Crew Brock, um, he took us to a girls' school called CGLA, Girls Leadership Academy, uh, Chattanooga Girls Leadership Academy. It's been around for 10 years. Uh, a, gr- a great um, founder there, uh, Sue Ann Wells, and um, her uh, CEO, Elaine Swafford, kind of is getting some unbelievable. So we did a tour there, and we walked out of there and we're like, whoa. Like the joy mm-hmm. and the kids mm-hmm. and the data and everything was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's working. It's yeah, like, this is great. It's crazy. So like some of our um, schools in town, average ACT is like a 13 to 14, like the average. Mm-hmm. Like, un, you know, it's just unbelievable how how um, we have some systems that are that, that, uh, that bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, and CGLA is like a 20.8. And so ACT, so it's like, whoa, okay. that's like a stark difference. Right. Yeah. Uh, serving, you know, kids from the same neighborhood. So we walked out of there and Kelly said, we're going to start a school for boys. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, let's go. <laughs> and so we are, uh, Kelly undertaking. I, we're very like all in on things. Like we need to like, we need more Shelly and Chad in our life to like get some space and boundaries and stuff. Cause we are like, we need a lot, <laughs> we need a lot of help. Uh, so when we get into things, we kind of go crazy. Um, mm. So we then went to um, 
We visited some of the best charter schools in America. Went to California, Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, Chicago. New, New, we saw a school in 60 Minutes called St. Benedict's. It's mm-hmm. a boys' school. It's an unbelievable mm-hmm. clip. Uh, we got to spend two days there, just kind of falling. Wow. Like, wow, this is so cool. Then there's a famous, Chad, you might remember, David Robinson for the Spurs. Oh, yeah. We got went to San Antonio, mm-hmm. got a random connection to him. He He's like, I'll... I'll, I'll he said, we're in Keller at this hotel. We're going to go visit one of the schools. He's like, hey, I'll just come pick you up. We're like, wow. this is wild. So he's 7'2". <laughs> the Shelly, Admiral. Shelly probably doesn't know. I know her, her sports knowledge is not yeah, high. Yeah, it's she limited. She would not do well in the Jeopardy <laughs> category of sports. So anyway, <laughs> he pulls up, gets out of his car. He's like, hey, good to see you. So we get in. We spend like half a day with the Admiral, going to his schools, picking his brain. Same thing. I'm just taking notes. Like this guy is like unbelievable. And he just, you know, every kid he would see, he's like, Hey man, you know, you're made for a big purpose. I'll never forget that. And so, um, anyway, he Hmm. just kind of shared us his journey with starting his school. He's now started seven. And, um, so that was really cool. And I said, and Hmm. I remember leaving, I was like, Hey, you know, we're some East Tennessee folks. I was like, how, why did you just give us half of your day, half of the day today? He said, you guys are fighting the fight for kids. Hmm. I was like, wow, so cool that like, that's where he went, you know, it was not, you know, he just, and I've kind of noticed that the more I'm uh, been in education now is just like doors are open. Mm. Here's the playbook. Here's what's working. Here's not working. Like school leaders are really good about, and I don't know if it's just a charter school thing or what, but they're very good about sharing best practices. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Mm. we, um, got a charter, um, you know, formed a board, um, Got leadership and um, bought some buildings, and it was it was an intense three years getting this thing off the ground. Mm. And so the schools now, and um, officially in our fourth year, we have three hundred boys. We bring in six uh, seventy boys a year into sixth grade, and you know these kids are coming in below where they should be. Uh, almost half the kids are reading below a third grade level. Okay, and so you know, and it's kind of heartbreaking because like a lot of the parents come in thinking, you know. My kid is advanced or gifted and, you know, our heads of school are like, hey, we kind of don't look at old data. We kind of throw that away and do Mm. our own Mm self-assessments. And so it's just like we're going to like start with our stuff. And so we kind of tell parents into it like the way your education's been the last five years is about to be look radically different. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't want to hear in October this didn't happen at our old school. We're telling you now, this didn't happen in your old school. (laughs) So uh, so longer school day, longer school year. Um, and we're really trying to live out our values at our school. And so our, our three kind of core values are joy, um, courage, and service. And mm. so um, you, you guys have been and are big supporters of the school. You feel the love there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that I go back to. Like, if I'm having a bad yeah. day, I'm like, hey, let's just go run over the school for a minute. Yeah. And it's really, yeah. it's all about the team, how much um, they're living their purpose. Mm. And they're, like, meant there to serve boys. And there is this energy there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are it's some inspiring. dedicated I- individuals, the, the students. They're, they seem really committed uh, if you don't oh, mind my asking, yeah. like, how do you how do you determine which the seventy that that's you great, take? That's a great a great question because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So okay. it's a lottery. So oh. at this point, we had 130 kids apply for 70 spots, and it's free. So it's free for any any uh, student to come, and we hire a third party CPA firm out of Nashville, and they draw the 70 names. Mm-hmm. Oh, so literally, we yeah. don't even know who they are, and 20% of our kids okay. um, are on 
special have special needs have some sort of special needs and so we kind of serve a lot of different you know you know every kid's welcome and loved and um, we've got I think 11 countries represented too at the school which is mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of different languages there and we have a lot a really good ESOL um, team uh, that's really doing great work mm-hmm. with those kids um, so yeah it's it's kind of the purpose of my wife and I's life mm-hmm. um, we're down there a few t- a few days a week uh, we just want to be like the biggest cheerleaders and like support the team like Kelly, like it was Valentine's Day. She just made like fifty something boxes of chocolate wrapped strawberries and mm-hmm. hand wrote on everything for each teacher. So we really want it to, to be like the best place in the country to teach. Mm-hmm. Much like you know, Access America, if we're the best place to teach. We're gonna track the best positive yeah, teachers, the best and then talent. like yeah, and so and, and that's what we're kind of doing. We had some teachers this year from um, North Carolina and Pennsylvania that have kind of heard about the mission and want to be a part of what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is cool. So um, yeah. everything about this inspires me and like goosebumps and I get emotional thinking about it. Um, the the pragmatic part of this that I think makes so much sense and I've heard you talk about kind of the 20 year mm-hmm. timeline mm-hmm. on think growing things like this, there is a longevity to think about working with boys, underserved boys early in sixth grade when they're still 12 yeah. and the ripple effect over the next 20 years mm-hmm. of systemic racism yep. and how it is cracking that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, um, we've talked about this. There's like nothing more we'd rather support than that. Mm, y'all are awesome. yeah. And so yeah. to see what, uh, yeah, and to be over there and I swear our tour guide <laughs> will probably be a senator from Tennessee. <laughs> like, like yeah. w- get, mark my words, in 30 years, we're yeah. going to be there's like, a leader, oh, yeah. There's a leader in him. These kids are amazing. That, and that just, kid is on another level. Oh I, mean, my I got gosh. chills thinking about him. I know. He's one of the kids, like when I think of the school, I see his face. And be like, we're doing it for him yes. and giving him like yes. the best opportunity because yes. he would be at a, a system that really, you know, and, and I ask a lot of kids, I mean, we go on a tour, I'm like, hey, what's different about this school and our last school? And the top two answers are, you know, a lot. there's a lot of fights and bullying at my old school. Mm. Kids want safety. Mm-hmm. And second, they say, um, my teachers really care about me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. and They love me. They yeah. And ki- teachers can teach in the classroom. They don't get disrupted. No, oh, and that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and, and it's like these oh, kids can't even like in some schools, you know. And I'm not bashing any schools because they're Gosh, underfunded, yeah. right. underpaid. Like I'm like we know I'm the issues, team right. like education, like whatever team Hamilton County. I'm on, and I and I do think we're and I've seen it at our school. We we're doing some practices, like some innovative, cool stuff. Our CEO is from Texas, Brad Scott. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's bringing some stuff here that I'm like, oh wow, I see other schools around town that are like doing what we're doing. I'm like, yes, I, all tides are rising. How, yeah. Hmm. How, why do you think that is at Chet Prep? Like when we toured and uh-huh. would go into classrooms, there's there's not a ton of classroom management. Like no. there, mm-hmm. it's a fairly calm environment Isn't that weird yeah. what do you think that's about it's like a, it's like a um you know there's not a silver bullet it's all about um we start when they we, we find out who the 70 boys are we do this thing called sentinel summit in the gym the boys show up the parents show up red carpet 
music blasting, teachers <laughs> high fiving. Yes. It's a Dis- y'all Disney yes. World. Yeah. Did y'all work at Disney World? One of y'all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah oh, I did we, for oh, yeah. a summer for yeah. a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. So anyway, it's we try to do the Disney World experience where kids come into the gym right away, and you're, that's your first like instinct. You're like, what is this? This is school. There's no you know. And yeah. so Great. then we do like a um, 48 hour like just you, you meet your you meet your mentors. They watch like a um, I don't know football movie. What is it anyway? Um, Oh, the blinds. No. Titans. Yes, yeah, remember, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. And so we talk about it and they nice. do. Nice. Yeah. Hello. Whoa. Sports reference. Hello. Yeah. So they do like their life journey or their journey life or whatever they draw. Yeah. You know, and like kind of like their highs and lows and like it's intense. And so that's like how you first are like kind of come to the school. Then yeah. I think the uniforms help. I think like when you get off the bus, our coach Banks like gets on the bus and, you know, he's like six, eight. 350 pounds football <laughs> player he just makes sure like the bus like because we want the bus to be an extension of chat prep like yeah. as soon as you get on the bus because a lot of bad stuff can happen on buses right you know, obviously yeah. so um they get off the bus we do tri- tie checks belt checks you know and so it's just like kind of holding a really high, high standard yeah high you know, bar high bar yeah and so then outstanding um, yeah so it's just a lot of the, i think those little stuff that you know we're really focused mm-hmm. on and it matters those yeah. details and, and you know, we do the grit speaker series. We bring in speakers. Dr. Johnson spoke last week. Peyton Manning spoke. Maurice Ash- Ashley, the grand ma- first uh, African American grandmaster chess player, he came and spoke. Wow! Uh, and our chat are in like here's here's very honest, inspiring. Like, like learning is cool. Like being smart is cool at the school. Like our chess team is on equal ground with basketball and football, <laughs> and like we're That's freaking awesome. ridiculous at chess. Like, yeah, I, knew, I did know that. Yeah, yeah. the chess wow. team's pretty great there. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Ted, this has already been awesome. We're going to, here's a little challenging question for you to mm-hmm. just throwing this out at you. Go for it. What lesson <laughs> has taken you the longest to learn? And maybe still learning. Um, <laughs> golly. What lesson is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, we're really putting you on the spot that's, here. That's actually it's an Oprah question. Is it really? That's what Oprah asks her guests. Yeah. That's one of their her what fire lesson? questions. What lessons is taking you the longest yeah. to learn? Um, yeah. I'm trying to really um, kind of play more and kind of reconnect with nature. Um, mm. That I am seriously mm-hmm. addicted to my phone. Uh, my whole family could say that. So I'm trying to, um, I'll, I'll never forget this. <laughs> I remember leaving Key James Brick when we started Access America, probably 2003 or four. I had a blue, uh, was it Palm Pilot or Blackberry? One of the two. I don't know which one <laughs> was. And I remember I was going to lunch with Barry, his brother Brent, and we went across these railroad tracks. It was the first time I ever got an email on my phone. So we're like 20 seconds away, you know, from the office. You remember the moment. I remember the moment. And and I had two things inside my brain. One was like, oh, wow. (laughs) I can book loads, which is what we, how we made money, make sales all the time. And then my other part of me, I remember it said, this is not gonna be good for you. Like it was like this weird, like I can get hyper-focused or ADHD a little bit. I don't know. Like I was like, this probably is ultimately not good for you, but it you're going to take advantage of this, right? Because you can just work more and longer and at and all, all hours. the time, yeah, right, yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, that's probably not the best lesson. That's just the kind of the first thing that kind of popped into my yeah. head. Yeah, I, was just like, oh, I get that. it. I need to like you know like chill out more and play more. My wife and I are like we got to like 
get some more hobbies and, um, you know, kind yeah. of really. Well, you know, as Shelly gets more into wellness, ironically enough, she's on her phone more because yeah. she's tracking her, <laughs> she's tracking her calories, she's tracking her miles, she's yeah. tracking so, no, I struggle with that. Well, can we talk yeah. about that? Like, I, I don't really play. Like, Chad has a lot of hobbies and things he enjoys doing. You do. I, well, I have. I try and to control I, them, right? I'm the same way. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to to put yeah, work you down. Do have trouble like, what playing. would I do? Well, I want to read a self-help book or I want to yeah. write a blog or yeah. I want to like, yeah. yeah. right. like email, <laughs> like work on the website. I got like, you that banjo and it just sits there. I know. I'm, I need to pick it back up. Okay. I'm going to um, read a quote real quick. Uh, this is okay. da- the David Brooks quote, because um, I, th- I think this, um, is, this made, made me think of you, Ted. Okay. All right. He says, um, in moral, This is the last question for him, right? Yeah. Mo- yeah. <laughs> moral formation is not individual. It is relational. Character is not something you build sitting in a room thinking about the difference between right and wrong and about your own willpower. Character emerges from our commitments. Mm-hmm. If you want to inculcate character in someone else, teach them how to form commitments. Mm. Temporary ones in childhood, provisional ones in youth, permanent ones in adulthood. Commitments are the school for moral formation. When your life is defined by fervent commitments, you are on the second mountain. Mm. That's really good. So, you know, what's something, a cause, um, a disruption that uh-huh. you are like fully committed to in the second mountain of your life. Well, you're really putting him on the spot here, honey. A cause? Yeah. Or the Yeah, I think um change okay, yeah. Or it, just, that's it's real easy. That's easy for me. Um I think, you know, as I am an investor and I get to see these companies, I'm like, eh, oh wow. You know, like you went to Stanford and mm-hmm. you were to Google and like you kind of had this just like really privileged, awesome life, you know, like right. it's not that, like that big for you to go win, you know? Right. Right. And even me, like it's a big deal, you know? And I tell my brothers all the time, like, you know, we've got to kill it. We've just had so much, you know, neat things happen in our life. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think of like the kids at the school, like that's it. Like breaking generational poverty curses is like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing mm. and surrounding myself with people that don't look like me that hadn't had the same, like that is like when it's coming. And, and like, I, I also like, don't want to be just like, Oh, go make a bunch of money. Like I want to have these young men introduce me to their, me and Kelly to their family. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. And they have a great job and they're happy. Like, that's what I really want to do. Like as they're at chat prep, like what is the big problem that they want to take on? in life. Mm. Like that's what we want to like try to work out and help them like just give them this great foundation and springboard and like, you know, change the whole community. Cause we look at Chattanooga as like really fertile soil. And like, like you said, like we're 20 years looking here in Chattanooga and like we've, we've got, we've planted some good, you know, trees and they're like getting some good branches and that sort of, and it's like fruit is starting to drop. Mm-hmm. And so we're just taking, like you said, a long-term commitment um, to this place and to this cause at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. What a way to and that was that was some rich, wonderful stuff. Speaking of which, and you know, Ted, we need some more Ted and Kelly in our lives. You guys are an inspiration to us. Yeah. Like you are you're turning a lot of your values into action. And you know, and who can't who wouldn't doesn't respect yeah. that. Thank you for being uh, here. Yeah, I love the work you. you guys are doing. So. Yeah, this means a lot to have you have here and have this conversation. Um, and you know, we just love you. Yep. So love thank you. you. All right, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Ted. Okay. Yeah.